1: Is Cincy three sixty about Cincinnati from Cincinnati on ESPN fifteen thirty? Here's James Rapine and Mo. Eger. Well, here
0: I am. Mo isn't in today. He will be at three oh five. If you want to hear Mo, great to be with you today. I'm James Rapine, and this is Cincy three sixty. We do it every single weekday, noon to one, right here on ESPN fifteen thirty. There's a ton on the blog right now at ESPN1530.com slash James, including the Locked on Bengals podcast, every single podcast of Cincy 360 this week. We've done a lot of Bengals, and that is going to continue today. It is great to be with you right after the show. I'm heading down to Paul Brown Stadium, going to talk to the players. I assume we'll talk with Randy Bullock, who signed a two-year contract extension with the Bengals yesterday, which honestly, I think the, the most shocking thing wasn't the extension. It was when. The season started. Very rarely do the Bengals work on extensions in the middle of the year. And uh, even though it's only week three, I just I wasn't expecting it. I was like, oh, that, they're done with their extensions. Well, not yet they aren't. Uh, they signed Randy Bullock through 2020. So now he's under contract uh, as long as Andy Dalton. So Randy and Andy together. Uh, you'll probably hear from Andy Dalton. Uh, later today as well. I ask him some questions. I defended him yesterday. I didn't get any. Here's the thing. So yesterday I come on and I say some really nice things about Andy Dalton. And I say about how he's a veteran and how I think he's just got the answers to the test now and things are just going well for Andy. And I give him a lot of credit. No one came out and said, oh, James, you're right. But when I come out and I call him Blandy, all you people, you get mad at me for calling him that. You get upset at me for doing that and calling him that. So I, I think that's interesting. Not not everybody. Some people agree. But when I come on and defend Andy, it's like, oh, just right off your water, off your back. Oh, you just expect it. It's just interesting. That's all. Um, a big show for you today. You're going to hear from one national radio host who's buying in on the Bengals. That in about 10 minutes. But first, the man who's on after this show on this station is at it again. The man who... Has gone after Marvin Lewis. It seems like for the last decade, is at it again. The man that I met at the University of Cincinnati about six years or five years ago, five or six years ago, Stephen A. Smith, is at it again. One thing that uh, I've gotten since we started the show, and heck, it's it's been going almost a year now, is they love uh, it, listeners love getting a local a dose of local sports in the middle of their day. And that was the, the goal, right? On your lunch hour, we're going to put together something for you so you could flip on and hear about the Bengals and the local perspective. And the reason I think that is so important is because context matters. It's really easy for Stephen A. Smith to, to say what you're about to hear him say in a couple of minutes here, even less, probably 30 seconds. It's real easy for him to say, oh, Marvin Lewis hasn't won a playoff game. That's easy. That's very easy. It, it, it's harder for someone to look at the numbers, look at playo- the playoff circumstances, look at what happened and what's led to Marvin Lewis being 0-7 in the playoffs. I'm James Rapine This is NC360. Let's talk about it. This is Stephen A. Smith. He tweeted this out last night. He has a problem. Another problem. It seems like a never-ending problem with Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis. Where
1: the hell are all of these Marvin Lewis fans coming from? Of all the things in life to root for, or to co-sign for, or to support, Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis, 16th season as a coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. His record is 125-112-3. and Doesn't exactly knock your socks off. John is not in his head like, oh my God, this guy's winning seventy-five percent of his game. That ain't even fifty-five percent. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, this is what they're talking about. Well, you know, he 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 has Andy Dalton as his quarterback. What would he do if 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 he had Ben Roethlisberger? That was Jonathan's position, but money. Had the audacity to bring up to me. Well, you know what they got used jock straps, subpar equipment, and all of this other stuff. I mean, what, what? Well, it was good enough to get them to the playoffs seven times. It was good enough to get them to the playoffs seven times. So you went to bed come postseason time, and oh my goodness, now that's an excuse. Marvin Lewis is knowledgeable about the sport of football. Marvin Lewis. If you want to sit up there and say he deserves to be a head coach in the National Football League, so be it. But Marvin Lewis as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals is an atrocity. It should not be allowed.
0: That is Stephen A. Smith. That, that's the, the last you'll hear of Stephen A. Smith on this show between now and 1 o'clock, I promise. Um, Local perspective is important. It's easy to say, oh, Marvin Lewis should be fired. But you know what? I'm going to give Mike Brown some credit now. I'm in the credit giving business. Yesterday I gave Andy Dalton some credit. What the hell? Let's give Marvin and Mike some credit. You know, it would be easy to move on from Marvin, right? Like back in January, it's easy for Mike Brown to look at the landscape, look at where the fan base was, look at everything and say, you know, Marvin, we're going to move on from you. We're not going to renew your contract. We're not going to extend you. We're not going to do that. that's the easy thing to do it's hard to cut all that out look at marvin lewis and say no he can get it done we haven't given him the necessary tools pieces to do so the past couple of years are on me as much as they're on him because of this 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 and this and that's what i think mike brown did you might not say it but someone had to be blamed Someone had to take the hits. So, you know what he said? Hey, who do you want to be your coordinators? Who do you want to be your offensive line coach? And they moved on from a coach who's been here longer than Marvin. It would have been easy for Mike Brown to say, now, Marvin, we got to move on and hire Matt Patricia. Or we're going to go get John Gruden because this fan base loves him. That That is easy. It, you know, it would be easy to, oh, yeah, we're going to try to excite this fan base. That's what we're going to try to do. And, and, and we think we can do it by going after Gruden. Or, you know what? Hugh Jackson. We're going to bring him in because he was successful. Whoever you want to say, that would have been easy. It would have been easy to move on from Marvin. The thing that I don't understand with Stephen A. Smith, and I'm going to get to the playoffs in a second, is he continues to say, well, Marvin is knowledgeable about football. He deserves to be an NFL head coach. But he can't stay where he is because he hasn't want to play. game. Oh, okay. Now we're splitting hairs. Now you're splitting hairs because there's only 32 jobs. And if Marvin's good enough to be an NFL head coach and proven and knowledgeable about football, which, duh, he's knowledgeable about football. If all of those things are true, then why wouldn't he coach in Cincinnati? Because of his playoff record? Is Is that... That, to me, is such a a short-sighted way of looking at things. Now, I was on board in January, like, all right, it's time to move on. I was 12 when Marvin got hired. It just seems like it's time for everyone to move on. And I thought Marvin might get a job elsewhere. I really did, because I think he is a good football coach. It's hard to deny that, right? He's a pretty good football coach. Mike Brown decides to bring him back, and since then, and I'm not going to go on this rant, but if you listen to this show, since then... What's happened? Good move after good move after good move after nice draft after more good moves after releasing veterans. And then what? A 2-0 start. I'm just just saying a 2-0 start. So say what you want about, oh, my goodness, Marvin Lewis is back. He does not deserve a job in Cincinnati. The Bengals are 2-0. And I think there are going to be some national media that picks them to go 3-0. I'm still going back and forth. Get, I'll get the vibe in the locker room today, discuss it, make my prediction, guess as Mo calls it, whatever you want to call it, later this week. But there's no doubt that this team is different than last year. Last year's team would probably be 0-2 right now. This year's team is what I envisioned it being. Even with the poor offensive line, I envisioned this offense being pretty good last year. I, honestly, this is the team that I expected last season. It's a season late, but so far, so good from a Bengals perspective. And Marvin Lewis, say what you want about him, deserves credit for that. Mike Brown deserves credit for keeping Marvin in place. Right? Keeping Marvin in place, getting new coordinators in here, getting a new offensive playbook, making the necessary moves this offseason to put this team in a position that it's in, which right now, I was talking with someone yesterday. I'll say it. I was talking with Richard Skinner of Local 12. He'll be on with Mo later today at 520. I was also talking with Tony Pike, who's on this station every single Monday, the Tony and Mo football show. Both of them kind of said it was the Bengals division to win. I don't necessarily agree with that because it's only been two weeks. They can convince me of that over the next couple of weeks against Carolina and Atlanta on the road. But the fact that that's even a conversation speaks volumes. The fact that we're even having that conversation, the fact that someone who's seen these Bengals for as long as I've been alive and Richard Skinner and someone who's close to me in age and Tony Pike, who grew up here, who's watched the 90s, who went through all of that, watched the rise and falls and the roller coasters of the Marvin Lewis era to say Yeah, I think it's their division to win. That's quite interesting to me. That is quite interesting. And honestly, if you would have told me that in January, or if I would have came on here and said that, or if anyone would have said that in January, we all would have laughed. (laughs) Marvin! Yeah, Marvin. Just quite interesting. The Bengals start what they've done this offseason. Name a move you really didn't like. They've all made sense for the most part. I'm James Irpin. This is Cincy360. On ESPN 1530, you can tweet me, at James Rapine, and listen to every single episode of Cincy 360. With Lucky
1: Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: In podcast form on the iHeartRadio app. You can also listen to ESPN 1530 live. It's a stream anywhere you want throughout the world with the iHeartRadio app. Coming up in 10 minutes, I think Giovanni Bernard is overrated and underrated. We will discuss that coming up, but first, there is some national pub. There is some national media giving the Bengals some love, and I want to dive into that. I want to dive into that a little bit. Here is uh, Colin Cowherd. He does his herd hierarchy, which is basically a fancy way of saying his top 10 teams in the league, and his herd hierarchy, well, it included the Bengals this week.
1: Number 10. I don't think Cincinnati's ever made it. They're in now 2-0. They're not in just for the record. First of all, Andy Dalton is what he is, a lower ceiling. But he doesn't turn the ball over, and they've got playmakers on the defensive side. They're fourth in points per game and fourth in point differential. Now, they've started very quickly before. Remember a couple years ago, 2015, they were 8-0, 0 I think their defense right now is humming. I think going to Indianapolis and beating the Colts is more impressive than people
0: think. Bengals at ten. That's Colin Cowherd. How about that? And I agree. I think Indy, and I get it. Indy's going to uh, probably go seven and nine, eight and eight. I think a win at Indy's big because Andrew Luck was legit, right? Andrew Luck was legit. The Bengals punched back after the Colts punched him punched him in the mouth the whole game, and then. A win against Baltimore, a Baltimore team that was very impressive in the preseason, a Baltimore team that's completely revamped their skill positions. I like this team. I like this Bengals team. I'm leaning towards picking them against Carolina. And I think people are going to start to take notice and more notice and more notice and more notice. And a big reason why is because of Andy Dalton. A big reason why is because of, and if you missed yesterday's show, the fact that And this is what I led with. The fact that he's a veteran quarterback who's seen it all now. Year eight. Finally has a competent line, certainly flawed, but competent offensive line in front of him. The necessary weapons around him. And he's got a playbook, an offensive coordinator he trusts. Roll all of that together. Experience. He is talented. Offensive line, weapons around him. That puts that offense in a position to succeed. That pass rush, by the way, we haven't even seen it unleashed yet. I think this week is the week where they might be able to tee off a bit. Cam Newton going to be hard to tackle. But he's all, he also doesn't have a lot of guys to throw to. Not a lot of weapons to throw to. I think it'll be the Christian McCaffrey show for the Panthers. We'll get more into Bengals-Panthers later in the week. But overall, I think that this team, is this is the perfect start. Outside of Mixon and Price getting hobbled, what else did you envision? Going two and zero, and looking at a banged up Carolina Panthers team, and they haven't lost at home in their six; they've won six straight games at home. So there you go. You got to pay attention to that aspect. They're good at home. It's going to be a tough place to play, but outside of that, everything's gone well. So to me, I get it. Like Stephen A. Smith and national outlets, and I know Vegas this offseason they wanted to say Andy Dalton, Marvin Lewis together. We're not buying. I get that. I understand it. Steve and I can rant and rave about the Bengals and, and Marvin Lewis's playoff record. But here's something to consider. And I'm not going to make excuses because 0-7 is unacceptable. But you know what Marvin Lewis' playoff record should be? And I, I don't think anyone would feel any differently about him. I don't think you'd feel different if, if his playoff record was 2-7. and seven. That's what his playoff record should be. 2-7. and seven. Not 0-7. 2-7. and seven. He should have played in or coached in nine playoff games with the Bengals. 05, Carson Palmer got hurt. No chance of winning that game. And I know they were up at halftime. Believe me. I know. All right? But they just weren't beating that Steelers team. 09, that was a, a team that overachieved, and they were emotionally drained after Chris Henry's passing, after Mike Zimmer's wife's passing. Talk to anyone who covered that team that was in the locker, and they said, man, they just looked drained at the end of the year. They knew they were... Just not going to be able to, to compete. And they didn't. They lost to the Jets pretty handily. 2011. Andy and A.J. were rookies. They overachieved. I don't think anyone expected the Bengals to win a playoff game that year. 2012. On the road, the Cincinnati Bengals almost pulled a rabbit out of a hat. They are an Andy Dalton. four. He, he overthrew A.J. Green by about four feet in the end zone. Otherwise, they pull off the upset. 2013. They should have won. That should have been Marvin Lewis's first playoff win. At home against a San Diego team they had beaten earlier, and they didn't. They dropped the ball. Totally on Marvin. So there you go. There's your one. 2014, Rex Burkhead and Giovanni Bernard were their primary go-to weapons. I, I don't blame them for losing on the road to Andrew Luck. 2015, no Andy Dalton. Should they have won? Yes. Yeah. So those are the two. 2013, 2015. They should have won those two games. Because of the circumstances they didn't, they should have. Those two are on Marvin. His players unraveled down the stretch in 2015. I totally get it. Understand it completely. Here's the thing, though. In 2015, had they had beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers at Paul Brown Stadium, they would have went to where? New England with A.J. McCarron. Enjoy that L. In 2013, they would have had to take on Andrew Luck. They would have been at home. But they would have had to play Andrew Luck. Prime Luck. I don't know, man. I don't know if I like that. I think that ultimately the Colts find a way to win that. I always lean quarterbacks, and especially Andy Dalton in year three, even though he had a bunch of weapons on that team, I would have leaned and picked the Colts. Hence, 2-7 and seven in the playoffs. I'm James Rapine. This is Cincy360. All I'm saying is, is it's very easy to say 0-7. Oh, Local perspective is important. And I think you have it. I think a lot of us have it. Some of these national guys, they don't have it. Stephen A. Smith, oh and 7 in the playoffs. That's it. That's all he sees. And to me, that's not necessarily a fair assessment of where the Bengals are. That's not a fair assessment of Marvin Lewis's tenure with the Bengals. There's been some ups and there's been some downs. But so far this year, it looks like Mike Brown made the right choice by bringing Marvin back. That might not be the case two months from now. That might not be the case six weeks from now or a month from now. But as of right now, the past seven months under Marvin Lewis have been great. From the offseason moves to how they've started this season. And I don't know any Bengals fan who could deny that. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360. Up next, there's been a lot of talk about Giovanni Bernard. I think he's overrated. And underrated. We'll discuss that next as Cincy 360 rolls on. I'm James Erpine, and this is ESPN 1530.
1: Now, Cincy 360 resumes. Brought to you by Safe Auto. Give us three minutes, save up to 25% on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station.
0: I'm James Erpine, and this is Cincy 360. We're with you till 1 o'clock today. It's great to be with you. Follow me on Twitter at James Check out ESPN1530.com. There's a ton up there on the Bengals. I'll head to the Bengals locker room instantly right after this show. I'm going to take the iHeartMedia helicopter. Now I'm going to uh, speed down to Paul Brown Stadium, get some interviews in, and I will post those on the blog uh, blog as well at ESPN1530.com. Yeah, I just I think it's so easy to criticize Marv. It's the low hanging fruit. It's easy. Like, if the Bengals lose on Sunday, it will be easy to say, oh, well, Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton, you really thought they'd go 3-0? and That'll be easy. But the only way I'm going to do that is if I think it's on them. Right now, I think a big reason why the Bengals are 2-0 and is because of Marvin and because of Andy. So they deserve to be praised. They deserve criticism sometimes. Other times, they deserve praise. Right now, it's praise, 2-0. Right now, what we've seen is a Bengals team that can be pretty good. National media starting to take notice. Peter King having Andy Dalton in his top five MVP candidates. This offense is clicking right now. The defense has one of the better pass rushes in the league. To me, that's something to be celebrated. And so when Giovanni Bernard went down, I think a lot of us, and and it, it speaks to the depth of this team. And honestly, you know what it speaks to? your confidence in Andy Dalton, it does. Because when you lose a Joe Mixon, that should be bad, right? That should be bad. But I think a lot of Bengals fans reacted to it the same way Pittsburgh reacted to Le'Veon Bell not being there. Okay, James Conner, here we go. I, I mean, throughout the years we've watched Le'Veon Bell get suspended. D'Angelo Williams, who was old by then, played for years and years and years by for the Panthers. Come in and and spell Le'Veon Bell and play well. And we've seen it across the league. But your first reaction was what? Ah, crap, that sucks for Joe. "Ah, Giovanni Bernard's pretty good. I was texting with someone at Paul Brown Stadium. And uh, someone, uh, someone, I'll say, within the organization. And the first thing they text me was, yeah, 25's pretty good. It sucks not to have Joe. 25 is pretty good. I think they're going to be fine, and part of that is confidence in Andy Dalton. Part of that is confidence in Bill Lazor's offense. Part of that is confidence in what the Bengals have built and have done under Marvin Lewis. It's okay to admit it. It doesn't mean you're saying that he's going to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean you're saying that you're buying and you're going all in on the Bengals making a playoff run, a deep playoff run, and Marvin Lewis is the best coach ever. No, no, no. But Marvin's doing a good job right now. So is Andy Dalton. And that's why when Giovanni Bernard went, or, or when G- you found out Giovanni Bernard was going to have to start when Joe Mixon went down, something tells me you were not okay with it. And from a fan perspective, it certainly stinks. I think if Joe was on the field, certainly this week, I'd be picking the Panthers for sure uh, to lose. I'd pick the Bengals over the Panthers. But with him out, it makes it certainly more questionable. It's a loss, but it's not as big of a loss as... With the Lucky Landslots, slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. You would have thought about, like, if I would have told you three months ago that Joe Mixon was going to be out for, let's just say a month, that doesn't have to be the case, and it might not be the case, but let's just say a month, and he'd miss the Pittsburgh game, and he'd miss at Atlanta and at Carolina, you'd be panicked, and rightfully so. I don't think many fans are panicking today, and that's a testament to Marvin Lewis, that's a testament to Andy Dalton, and that's a testament to what the Bengals have built over the past, uh, not only a couple of weeks, over the past couple of months. The equity they're starting to build with a fan base that certainly was hoping for this team to uh, to turn things around. I'm James Arpine. This is Cincy360. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, I- I've heard a lot about him, and I was having this conversation with Lance yesterday, and Lance, and it was off air, Lance disagreed with me, but Giovanni Bernard's overrated and underrated. This idea that Giovanni Bernard is this great pass catcher out of the backfield he's good he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield but i don't think he's i don't envision him as the prototypical third down back i'll name some some running backs that are that james white is that right where he he doesn't run up the the middle doesn't get many handoffs for the patriots but he'll have 10 receptions chris thompson is that for the washington redskins He he doesn't run between the tackles a bunch, but he had 13 receptions the other day. There are guys like that across the league. Danny Woodhead. Giovanni Bernard isn't Danny Woodhead. Giovanni Bernard isn't one of those guys where he's going to catch 75 receptions out of the backfield and rush for 200 yards in a season. No, that's not him at all. So that aspect, I think, is slightly overrated for Giovanni Bernard. I also think he's underrated. You know what's underrated about Bernard? His ability to run between the tackles. His ability to actually be, oh, you know, a running back. Fans and analysts look and they say, oh, he's got to be a third down back. He's 5'9", 205 pounds. 5'9", 205. Geo, psh, he is a third down back. No, he's not. No, he's not. I mean, he can be your, your guy. I think he's underrated between the tackles. Who, let's think about some of. The better running backs that had pretty good offensive lines to run behind. We will cross off Jeremy Hill. Let's go back farther than that. Would you say Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis was okay? He's okay. He averaged 3.7 yards a carry during his Bengals career. Certainly not the uh, the between-the-tackles guy. He's the the law firm. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, he's fine. 3.7 per Giovanni Bernard 4.2 let's go back even farther Cedric Benson man he was pretty good remember the Bengals signed him in 08 during that awful season where they weren't 4 11 and 1 and he stuck around through 2011 Andy Dalton's rookie year he averaged 3.8 yards per carry in his four seasons with the Bengals 3.8 those were his high years those were his uptick years those were his great years the prime years of his career 3.8 yards per carry let's go before that Rudy 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 Johnson he averaged four yards per carry in his seven seasons with the Bengals notice a theme here Rudy was great Cedric Benson amazing between the tackles Ben Jarvis Greenell is solid I don't think anyone thought he was amazing but solid Giovanni Bernard averages 4.2 yards per during his career. 4.2. He's underrated between the tackles. Last season, Bernard averaged 5.09 yards per carry in the final two games, carried the ball 32 times. Also had 13 receptions and a touchdown. We're not talking about this very limited running back that can only catch on third down and run out of the backfield. No, no, no. We're talking about a guy throws his head in there, blocks when he can. Does he always win on blocks? No, he's 5'9", 205. Does he always get five yards and fall forward? No. But last year, Joe Mixon, all season, averaged more than five yards per carry twice. And he never had a two-game stretch like that where Giovanni Bernard, again, averaged 5.09 yards per carry, had 13 receptions. Gio lit it up last year at the end. And looking at this offensive line, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a successful week three, week four, week five with the Bengals. The offensive line's been okay when it comes to run blocking. They really have. They weren't in the preseason. They have been so far this year. Giovanni Bernard, overrated in one aspect. I don't think he's as good as the James Whites and some of those guys on third down. Underrated as a legitimate running back who can run the show, carry the show. Remember, the Bengals drafted him in the second round, signed him to a contract extension. There's a reason. He's talented. I think he's going to remind people how talented he is as a running back, not just a pass catcher, this week and moving forward with Joe Mixon out. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360. The other thing I think has been a welcome sign for the Bengals is their depth. Their depth is, is something that was praised for years. And then all of a sudden it was gone. Didn't it feel like all of a sudden, gone? And uh, part of the reason that that happened, I mean, they lost Andrew Whitworth, and they whiffed in the draft on he and Fisher, and then Andre Smith left, and guys got older, and they didn't replace him in the draft. Well, now it's starting to feel like they're replenishing these, these positions. You'd say, oh, well, defensive line, they're pretty deep there. Secondary. Maybe not at corner, but they're pretty deep at safety if they were able to cut George Iloka. Think about that. They cut George Iloka. Sean Williams goes down week one, gets ejected. Clayton Fedulum comes in and has a huge play, the game-changing play that wins the game in Indy. Last week, Trey Hopkins has to come in and play center after Billy Price, the first-round draft pick, goes down. And the offense, for the most part, didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat. That, to me, very interesting. It's a telltale sign of depth. Giovanni Bernard behind Joe Mixon. You get my point. I think this team is as deep as it's been since 2015. I thought this was interesting. This is uh, Trey Hopkins on Bengals line on Monday night discussing with Dave Lapham and Lance McAllister what was going on in his mind when he found out that, uh uh-oh, I got to go in for Billy Price, who's injured his ankle and uh, it was a spraying ankle for Billy Price. Here's Trey Hopkins on what was going through his mind.
2: What was the first thing that went through your mind when Billy was kind of limping off the field and imploring the crowd to give a little, little crazy, uh, you know, get, get energized? What was going through your mind at that point? Going through my mind at that point. I mean,
3: I'm already out there. I've gotten snaps with Andy, just a couple on the on the side as I go out and I see to see him get off the field and just electrify the crowd as he leaves i'm like i mean i gotta step up i gotta play that guy's (laughs) level i mean that's a that's a great center coming out of college i mean and and i'm a guy that's kind of just filling in and and the offense is moving at that point my biggest thing on my mind is i mean you gotta come out here and you gotta make sure this train keeps rolling
4: when would have been the last time you played center in a regular season game would it have been at texas i got one
3: snap uh, at Texas, like one snap in my four years at, at Texas. Wow. At was center. it a victory
2: snap, victory formation type thing? I or? mean, <laughs> it was
3: it was pretty much that. It was kind of a. Right. A, our center must have broke a shoelace or something like that, and then they were just right. like, just go over it, go over one spot.
4: After a couple of days to process it and watch it on tape, how do you feel about how you did?
3: Um, there's definitely some plays I want back. There's definitely some plays that I, I know I can improve on. Some things I can get sharper at um, going forward, but. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I did um, given the circumstances. I mean, that's the role that I have this year, and, and
4: I feel like I did a pretty good job
3: stepping into the play.
4: How did things go from a communication standpoint up and down the line? Were you happy with
3: that? Oh, yeah, I was very happy with that. That's something, I mean, fortunate enough that get, getting to play um, center and OTAs when, when Billy was out, I really had to kind of nail that kind of stuff down. And, and I mean, even just – having the comfort of having, like, Clint Bowling next to me. I right. mean, if, if there was any kind of issue, I'm sure he would have stepped up and, and helped me out. But, I mean, I was completely comfortable going in from that standpoint.
2: Frank's rules, to me, as I'm watching you guys, it looked like the O-line had very simple rules. And to me, that's a big plus because the more things they try to do, the more complicated. If you're, like, the line up here way the this line here, I mean, you can blow your mind, but you guys seem to have simple rules. No matter what they did, man, you guys were right there, just waiting and ready to take them on, yeah, man.
3: That you hit it right on the head when you said very simple rules. That's one of Frank's big things is no consternation. He wants you to be able to play fast, so keep everything simple. Consternation. So we come in there, we come up there. Ooh. That's his word. That's not. Ooh, that's not. His word. That's, <laughs> that's big. That's I, his word, but. Um, but yeah, you get up there, you just trust your rules. The rules you've had all the way through from OTAs and camp, just trust them, and and they always they always prove out right. And I mean, as long as we're on the same page as the back, Andy knows where we're going. Everything will work out fine, and that's what happened. Andy is a brilliant guy. I mean, he knows that offense like the back of his hand. I mean, he's a quarterback. He's supposed to, but I mean, he really knows his stuff. And I have. The utmost confidence. I mean, me going in at center, and I, and I believe he has that same confidence in me that I'm gonna make the call. I'm gonna get the call right. If he sees something different that I'm not seeing, he's gonna put me there, and he's gonna be right most of the time. Because I mean, he's protecting himself too. So, right, right. so that's an extra incentive for him. But I mean, we all have confidence confidence in each other that we see what's going on and that we're going to be able to pick it up.
4: Will you approach this week as if you are starting it at, at center on Sunday?
3: Yeah. I mean, I have to approach it the same way I approached it last week. I mean, last week I didn't plan on starting, but I mean, every time Billy had a snap, I had to be there locked in, focused and watching it and talking to Frank about it. And I mean, behind it, only thing different is now is, I mean, today obviously I had to get the snaps, but approaching it. Like I, I have to know what to do. Yeah, That's sure. Trey
0: Hopkins on Bengals line. That entire thing on Lance's blog at ESPN, 1530.com slash Lance. And, and to me, that it, st- it stands out a ton. I, I mean, th- there's so much there. And I'm going to get more on Frank Pollock. He talked about Frank Pollock a little bit. Um, did you hear the note on Andy, though, the praise of Andy? Oh, literally over the past week now, Trey Hopkins went out of his way to praise Andy. Tyler Boyd praised Andy in my post-game interview with him Andy Dalton gets it more so now than ever. His mental capacity, his idea, his understanding for the offenses, all of that stuff, it's eight. All of a sudden, he's settling in. I'm telling you, that is part of it. That is part of this transformation, this run-pass-option offense that gives Andy the keys to the ship and lets him make the, the decisions on what they're going to do with the ball. Usually, he makes the right decision, and that's why the offense has been so successful. Top five offense in the league through a top-five scoring offense in the league through two weeks. We'll see if that continues this week against Carolina. I thought this one was interesting as well. This is Trey Hopkins on Frank Pollock in the offensive line and why Frank Pollock, the new offensive line coach, how he is different from old offensive line coach Paul Alexander. This is a little bit of a shorter cut. You'll hear Lap Lance and obviously Trey Hopkins, this from Bengals line earlier this week.
4: Take us back to day one of, of, of training camp and, and just how you feel about this offensive line growing in cohesiveness and just how you feel in general about this group. I mean, this group is a, it's a
3: tight-knit group, and it's one of those things where I feel like Coach Pollack challenged us so much coming in and really pushed us physically nice. that that's the kind of stuff, the adversity, that you really it kind of melts you together because you're just all out there. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We were dying those first couple of days. Oh, man. Because he really he, he put us through it. But, I mean, it's it's stuff that – that benefits us, and it's helped us, and it's shown. Um, but it's also just helped us kind of
4: grow as one. How big was the adjustment to the technique change of what Frank teaches to what you were used to? Is it, it was it night and day? What was the learning curve like for getting used to that?
3: I would describe it as night and day. Um, previous, previous Frank being here, I would say it was a little bit more about patience and about really. It was almost it was more reactive, I would say. It was um,
2: counter-punching, not punching, right?
3: Yeah, whereas Frank is just like, you throw, you, throw, you, you throw the first punch <laughs> and make them react off of you kind of thing. And right. Just play fast. It's all about speed. If something goes wrong, fix it the next time. But there's no, like, all his, his tagline is no consternation. Just go out there and play fast, run. Now, punching
2: and attacking with those long, strong arms, dude, all of a sudden it must be like, I love this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jam you. I'm going to stymie you at the line of scrimmage. I'm not going to retreat and catch you. Mm-hmm. I'm coming after you, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like night and day, and big time. And I think time, isn't I it? think
3: that was the biggest adjustment for me is just getting out of the mindset of oh, okay, I'm going to wait and react. Whereas he's saying he's saying, hey, you got long arms, you got to use them. You got to use what you got to your advantage. I mean, right. I'm not the biggest guy, not the strongest guy, but I mean, if I can if I can catch you before you get rolling, that'll help me out. Leverage,
2: mm-hmm. you're a leverage guy. Mm-hmm. You got a big cantilever on you, man. <laughs> I mean, you got a cantilever that most people
4: don't have, right? You got a. Alex uh, Redmond has described it as a as a new energy and intensity to the offense. I, you're nodding your head. You feel that too. Exactly.
3: I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, it's it's completely different. Just even even meetings just have a, a different energy about them. I mean, it's it's intense. He, you see him on the field. I mean, it's no different in the meeting oh, room. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's really intense. And it, it, I mean, we're in we're in the meetings early. We're in there when when special teams are meeting. We're doing meetings. We're, there's not really a time where we're just. Chilling.
2: right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean Frank is uh, he's no joke, man. He's he's old school There's no question about that And the thing is he played nine years in the league and he mm-hmm. played multiple positions. So it's it's like he's not asking you to do anything He didn't do. Yeah, you know, it's like I know how hard it is I know what I had to do to try to play I know what the great ones did to have the success they had I'm gonna impart that knowledge on you guys and you know, it's like it, it, gives you, it gives him a sense of credibility, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I remember when Forrest gray got up in front of us as a head coach and he had Super Bowl rings hanging off his fingers when he put his hands on the podium and he started talking. I'm like, two Super Bowl rings? I'm listening to him. He may kick our butt, but I, I know Lombardi kicked his butt at least as much as he's going to kick our butt, and he's got Super Bowl rings. Instantaneous credibility in my mind, I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, Frank gives you that kind of thing. He doesn't?
3: does. I mean, he, he really gets you to buy in because he's a he's guy that's been there. I mean, he t- he tells us his stories about all the time about how why he, he preaches about master the mundane about being in the championship game and getting split on a a, comb- a combination right. Why, he's like, I've been there before. I know why this is important. Why the fit's important every day, not just the first week. It's important the last week you play. It's it's always going to be important. And I mean, we're we're buying into that because I mean, we know that he knows what he's talking about, and, and it's helped us so far. So why not keep going with it?
2: I was uh, doing an interview with Redmond, and he said, "We're out of jail." I felt like we've been out of jail. We've gotten a jail pass, we you know and I'm like, it was that bad. He goes, Dude, it was that bad. <laughs> Big Redman. That's a horse, isn't it? That's yeah, one strong is. cat, isn't it? Yeah,
3: and he has
0: definitely been cut loose this year.
2: Oh he's a beast.
0: That's uh Dave Lapham, Lance McAllister, Trey Hopkins there. And it's just it's interesting to hear. Because what what was one of the offseason, and that entire thing on Lance's blog at ESPN1530.com, what's one of the offseason narratives? Oh, well, this offensive line's going to be different under Paul Alexander. I don't know if anyone fully bought into that, but I think so far you can. Listen to them talk. That's one of the offensive linemen. Alex Redmond saying what he said. Oh, we've been let out of jail. We're free. That, to me, is very... Very interesting. And so far through two weeks, the Bengals offensive line has performed well. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360. Performed well. Comparatively speaking, not saying they're the best line in the league. But if they're competent, this offense, I think, is going to be pretty good. You can tweet me at James Erpine. We'll be back at it with quick hits. And honestly, for the first time this week, the Steelers won't be mentioned in quick hits. You know what will be mentioned? Former Bengals defensive coordinator Mike Zimmer. That and so much more as we roll on during Quick Hits. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360.
1: Cincy 360 continues on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's Sports Station.
0: I'm James Erpine, and this is Cincy 360. It's great to be with you today. Just a couple minutes left in the show. Quick reminder, Mo back at it today at 3.05. Going to talk plenty of Bengals. We will hear from Marvin Lewis, who will be speaking At the podium at Paul Brown Stadium. Speaking of that, I'll be headed down there. You'll hear interviews, player interviews today. I'm doing that right after this show ends. Plus, a ton more on the blog at ESPN1530.com.
1: It's time for Cincy 360 Quick Hits on ESPN1530.
0: Quick Hits is a service of Rumkey Restoration. If you have any kind of water damage, carpet damage, flooded basement, Go to com. They'll get you taken care of. They'll put you back. They'll make you new again, make you whole. All you got to do, again, flooded basement, anything like that, let them get you back to normal. com. This report came out this morning. Tom Brady reportedly wanted to divorce Bill Belichick and considered leaving the Patriots as recently as late March, according to uh, a new book written on, uh, on Bill Belichick. I think that that's very interesting. <laughs> for a variety of reasons, Uh, ESPN's Ian O'Connor wrote Belichick, the making of the greatest football coach of all time. And uh, it it was interesting because one of the quotes in the book is, quote, Tom knows Bill is the best coach in the league, but he's had enough of him. If Tom could, I think he would divorce him. That makes sense. How many people get divorced after 17 years? After 18 years? After the kids are grown up? (laughs) The kids are their Super Bowl rings. They got five of them. I get it. Sometimes relationships, they're, they're tough on you. Sometimes you, you want out. Um, but Brady realized, it, it later goes on to say, Brady realized, hey, they traded Jimmy G. They're all in on me. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm not going to demand a trade or anything like that. It's just very interesting that, that things could be that bad in New England. I, you know I, I, It doesn't mean it's going to translate to the field. How many of us still are good at our jobs but want new jobs? That might be Brady. He's still going to be really, really good, but uh interesting nonetheless. The Reds beat the Brewers yesterday three to one. They improved to sixty-five and eighty-seven with ten games to go. So they have to go five and five to get the seventy-wins. Four and six to be one win better than they were over the past two seasons. And if they go three and seven, well, they'll have the same record for the third straight year. By the way, the the race I'm really watching, because obviously you're not watching the Reds and the The division and the race like that, because that's over when it comes to the Reds. Um, But Christian Yelich, he's hitting 317 now after yesterday. Scooter Jeanette, hitting 316. That has to change. It has to change because, Scooter Jeanette, you need to win the National League batting title. You're one point away right now. You got to string together some hits. You got to get that average up. You got to win it. You have 10 games. 10 games, Scooter. That's the one I want. I don't, I don't think he's ever going to have another chance to do this in his life. I want him to do it now. How awesome would that be? It would be amazing. Uh, speaking of amazing, I think a lot of you think, and, and rightfully so, that Mike Zimmer is an amazing NFL head coach. Well, after kicker Daniel Carlson missed a couple field goals in their 29-29, I believe it was 29-29, tie against the Packers, Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Well, he said it was easy to cut Daniel Carlson. Here he is. The decision today to let Daniel Carlson go. Did you see the game? Was it Was it an easy decision? Yeah, it was pretty easy. How about that? Yeah, pretty easy. Pretty easy for Mike Zimmer to make that decision. I don't blame him, but it is crazy because they invested a, a draft pick in in Carlson, a fifth rounder, and, and moved on from It's crazy that that you know maybe drafting a kicker might not be the best way to go about it. It it might not be the the way. I mean, think of Robert Aguayo a couple of years ago, where the the Buccaneers traded up for him. Um, The Vikings traded up for Carlson. Didn't work. He didn't even last three games. Zane Gonzalez cost the Browns. And Jake Elliott here, he didn't stick. You know, Randy Bullock beat him out. So maybe drafting a kicker isn't the way to go. One more, Phillip Rivers. The, I think, who should be a future Hall of Famer, but who knows, he's borderline for sure. Los Angeles Chargers starting quarterback. He's a father of eight, and he was asked on if, if he's done having kids. He's a father of eight in 2018. That's rare already. He said, quote, I hope not. How about that? Philip Rivers, not done having children. Eight? He wants, uh, he wants che- cheaper by the dozen. Philip Rivers edition. I'm James Rapine. This is Cincy 360. Thank you so much for listening today. The Stephen A. Smith Show is next. I'll be back at it uh, today at 3:05. Mo will be here. I will be here. You'll hear from Marvin Lewis. You'll get uh, a bunch of interviews that I get from the locker room and so much more. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm James Rapine. That's going to do it for Cincy 360. Right here on ESPN 1530.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>